If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hello and welcome back into the Savage Situation podcast. It's your host here, Adam Savage. Good to have you guys here. And we've had such an amazing couple of seasons. We're back with a third season. Now I have a co-host every week, Ian Chambers. And we've got so much coming your way. And we have guests coming on. We're talking about the gaming world as well as, you know, things like online, lifestyle, sport as well. So it kind of encapsulates kind of everything that we like. And we hope you guys enjoy it as well. Now, one thing that's really going to help grow the show and expand to a bigger audience and broaden its horizons is if you guys do leave a review. It's really important important to subscribe and follow to make sure you never miss an episode but reviews are so key to getting us as high up the charts as humanly possible so that everyone can hear our brilliant podcast that you guys obviously a massive part of as well i do make sure to leave a five-star review if you can that'd be amazing with a comment as well and hopefully it'll boost our show to outer space and beyond enjoy this new episode it's a banger if i do say so myself i would say that though but genuinely enjoy Hello, welcome to the Savage Situation Gaming Podcast. I'm Adam Savage, and as a host across esports and video games, I've been lucky to work alongside a ton of brilliant people, and I like to think I've gained a very unique insight into how the gaming world works. Whether you're a gamer, someone who used to play as a kid, has slightly lost touch, or you're simply curious because you've heard that gaming can sometimes make you Hollywood money from your bedroom, this podcast is absolutely for everyone. Now, during lockdown, I've been chatting to special guests from pro gamers to streamers to the influencers who've become the faces of the industry, all about how they started and the experiences they've had in this ever-evolving world. Be sure to subscribe, please, to be notified when new episodes are uploaded. Now, let's meet my guest today. Now, this week's actually one of my favorite episodes of the series. Uh, Ifia de Portra, otherwise known as Shocks. Well, she's just magnificent. She's brilliant. Uh, she's one of the leading talents, one of the leading hosts in the whole of esports. She's gone from being a player and reporter to being one of the major desk hosts, predominantly in League of Legends, but across other esports titles as well. We actually met each other back in 2017 when I got a chance to interview her at the Esports Award. She just won Personality of the Year, which is saying a lot. You know, it's a massive accolade. We actually hosted it together the following year and have worked together on other productions since. But I'm really interested to pick her brains, find out how she started out and also find out what it's like to be a female in a predominantly male industry. This is how we got on. You know the podcast has made it huge when you're joined by one of the winners of the Esports Personality of the Year. I am delighted to be joined by Shocks. How how the devil are you? Hi. Um, oh, I love that. How the devil are you? Um, I'm it's great. It's very, very British, very yeah, British. Yeah, I love it. It's a classic. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I'm doing okay under the circumstances currently, uh, I, I think at 53 days without any human physical contact. Um, but, uh, for the rest, actually, I have to say all things considered quite good. But so you've been completely on your own the entire isolation period. Yep. I've been flying wow. solo. Um, my family is in Belgium. Um, so are most of my friends. My significant other is over in Cologne and I'm in Berlin. 
Um, oh and well, I mostly have colleagues in Berlin and the ones I do have that are also friends live uh, a while away. So it isn't really a necessary travel opportunity yeah. really to see each other, but I'm doing okay. I, I like myself. So that helps. That's, that's a good thing. If you hated yourself, <laughs> problems, but yeah. luckily it's okay. I mean, yeah, that, that, teenage I me would have hated it, but <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of people find it quite sometimes. I think people find it quite challenging sometimes being on their own um in their own company but i i love it i just crack on a ton of box sets or whatever and just kick back and then i'm i'm good with me so me too. it's good to hear that you're the same um but i'm glad you're well i'm glad that we made this happen as well it's so it's such a pleasure having you on uh the podcast i've been so looking forward to this Thank um because we we've known each other now for, for I, guess, I guess i guess a few years i think the yeah. first time i met you i presented you with an with an award yeah absolutely yeah exactly yeah. Uh, that's um is that four years ago now it must God, be. I think, it was, I think it was four years ago. Yeah. What was quite what was quite nice about that though is that we actually I presented you with the award and it ends up that we actually hosted it together like a year later. Yeah. Which is quite which Since is quite nice. Then. That was yeah, a cool little sports, evolution. Yeah. I know. You are one of the most prolific um, I guess uh esports broadcasters in the world. I think it's fair to say. Would you agree? I think you I think you could absolutely agree. You could you could be totally yeah. modest now and say, Yes, that is true. I am. Um, yes, that is true. I am. <laughs> yes, because you, you've been you've been in the industry for 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 a long time now, and I want, I want to talk all about how it kind of began for you and how it all kind of started out. As I'm sure the listeners would love to hear as well. But I mean, I mean, take us through when you first kind of like um, your your early days growing up. I, I think I read that you grew up in Bruges. Is that mm-hmm. is that right? That's correct. Uh, the beautiful, um, yeah, beautiful idyllic town of Bruges or city of Bruges in Belgium near the North Sea. Um, yeah, it's not the biggest city to grow up in but that was fine with me um and a nice place to grow up in i would say i lived just outside the city 15 minute bike ride to the center of the town um five minute bike ride to any park and some green um a five minute bike ride to school so i guess it's everything a child could want it it is i mean i I went there actually for the first time i think last year and i can confirm that i went to a christmas market i had a giant sausage and a lovely beer looking at the clock tower in the town square it was yeah. gorgeous yeah it's, it's it's very beautiful especially the city center um it is like quite people say it closes at nine which isn't true it's a city so it doesn't but it uh yeah, yeah it's it's a very touristy city as well people love coming to take pictures and all that uh, which we welcome when you were younger what was what was the kind of the gaming scene like when you were when you were at school and things was like did was belgium in general was it quite was it was it quite a, a, a bubbling kind of scene in games and things like that? Kind of first console and stuff? <laughs> i definitely wouldn't say so uh, i think we're speaking now let's say the first time i got in touch with games really was when we got our first pc so that um actually i have a faint memory of having a sega console a bit earlier but i, I remember next to nothing about that um and playing okay. like the duck shooting game on the Nintendo of one of my nephews or something. Oh, I remember that as duck well. Hunt. Duck yeah, Hunt. Yeah, great yep. game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the dog always sneak up behind the bush going, hee 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 when you miss the shot. Exactly. I, um, yeah. I think I must have been about 12 or something or 11 or 12 when we got our first PC and we bought a couple of games. One, a racing game, not sure what it was called. Then a Viking game, not sure what it was called. And uh, Tomb Raider 3. Tomb Raider 3, wow. Okay, that is is a classic. That is a classic. And I think Tomb Raider is really the game that got me hooked on, first off, games in general. I loved it. I loved Lara Croft. I loved all the pixels because we didn't know any better back then. Um, (laughs) The internet wasn't as prevalent as it is now because now it's freaking everywhere. So I bought a physical walkthrough book at like 
I don't know, a bookstore or a paper shop. I don't know what. And then whenever I got stuck, I would look in the book and see where I was supposed to go. Like people do that online now with walkthroughs. I love the game so much. Do you remember? Do you remember? I mean, get, getting magazines like I used to. I used to love Nintendo yeah. Power because I was a Nintendo kid growing and up. PlayStation so Nintendo magazine Power, and everything. the PlayStation magazine, and you got the free demo disc as well. Yes, like, yeah. the games. Oh, great times! I mean, that, that's the thing is having. I mean, you know, you're committed to a game when you when you you buy like a magazine with a step by step guide. Absolutely. how to get past certain things i mean you know, i was stuck too it. tomb raider 3 is also famously one of the hardest um yeah. like the hardest puzzles i think in the whole series and it was near impossible as a 12 year old to figure it out yourself You're like oh you have to run from that to that and then push that button and then shoot there and it's like what the hell <laughs> so and some of the things and some i remember the, the original as well like you're you, you're trying to find like this this really small line like crease in a, yeah. in a wall thinking can i grab that or am i going to die and get and you have by a crocodiles? bad pc so you're like is this a lever or is it just <laughs> my like bad setup what is this I know. But when you did when you did make one of those crazy like massive jumps, you just went yes, yes, I, I did got it. it, I got it, I'm the best. I know. And I just saw a level with the quad. Do you remember? There's a level with quads. Yes, uh, I like do remember that. Yeah, yeah. yeah and you yeah. had to make the jumps too. That was also very difficult. Oh, good oh, stuff. Oh, it's good stuff. It's good. Do you know? It's it's good to th- it's good to remind ourselves of, of how gaming used to be mm-hmm. because it used to be such a, a glorious time where there was no. It wasn't necessarily about competition, online multiplayer. It was just about finishing a game, getting it done. And, and I used to remember swapping games at school with my mates as well. I was like, do you want, I'll trade you Tomb Raider 3 for like, you know, a bit of Mario for the weekend. Yeah, sounds great. Yeah, you know, you could do, do all it. these different things. Let's do it. Exactly. You know, um, a lot of guests we have on the show go straight into kind of consoles and that's the kind nope. of way forward. But you kind <laughs> of went straight into PC. And you found your, I guess your in- entry point. Was it, were games like Quake? Were they very big for you? Or what, where, where did you start out? Um, well, for me, it was Unreal Tournament, which was like kind of the same age as Quake, I guess. Mm, that's uh, right, you had, okay. like You had Quake, you had Unreal, um, you had Halo, I guess, already. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure when, when Halo exactly. Um, but so it was kind of when FPS has started. I think they all started after kind of you had I was watching something yesterday and they talked about the James Bond GoldenEye game, which was apparently one of the first oh. um, FPSs. And then there were like there was doom of course etc and the third person shooters and whatever um but my poison of choice was unreal tournament and i think when we look back in our gaming history a lot of it comes from kind of coincidence or or kind of what was available to you at the time or what a friend had that you could play and that's definitely the case for me with unreal um um, someone at school gave me the cd-rom and said hey this is unreal tournament the 1999 game of the year edition i play it do you want to play it and i said sure i'll try it and boom i was sold uh to fps's first person shooters and online multiplayer games from that moment on and i was 14 uh it must have been uh, I mean, I God, I have to calculate this on the fly, but like 2001 <laughs> or something. Yeah. Um, speaking of first-person shooters on top of my head, I think I read today, as of recording this, that I think today is the 29th anniversary of Wolfenstein 3D. Wow. T- 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 I mean, that was a that was a game changer too. The same kind of yeah. era as the rest. But I mean, it, I, I mean, that fascinates me about the way that you kind of you you had this moment where you you played Unreal Tournament and you and you kind of like like Neo seeing the Matrix for the first time. You ju- <laughs> it just made sense to you. Like your brain just connected. And you went, I, I'm in. I get this. I I love this. This is this is a bit of me. Yeah. It was a. I mean, we we played the. You have to play like you can play a single player in Unreal Tournament. Um, mm-hmm. And some of the bots are really hard and like. You cannot beat them whatsoever. I think it's Loke. 
Um, yeah. But very quickly, we started playing Capture the Flag. And then very quickly, we started playing Instagib. So you have normal weapons and Instagib. And I played a bit of both. But then I started focusing in on Instagib, Capture the Flag. And I was really a flag runner. And I love the thrill. I just love it. Or like playing with four strangers or four friends against five real life people and just running the flag and capping and just owning it up. I, I love it. <laughs> I, I fell in love with it. When you were growing up with your family as well, were they... Were they were you in the same kind of house either house or where my family were like don't play games you're gonna burn your eyes out you know was that the same for you were they kind of did they encourage you to play games or was it not really a big deal to your family either way uh, well the good thing about me was that I was really focused on school too so my life was basically school and gaming so they didn't they couldn't really find any negative fallout from me gaming because uh, I got good grades and I didn't want to go to parties because I wanted to game. So I guess that was good. <laughs> but they were a bit worried because our computer, our one computer was in the living room where the others were also watching television, my mom and my stepdad. Right. And I would be on TeamSpeak at like nine at night or 10 at night. And I would sometimes get snappy with my mom when she said, hey, it's too late. I'd be like, mom, I'm in the middle of a war. <laughs> <laughs> and that would bother her. It was coinciding with my puberty. So, um, oh God. Yeah, there was a bit of what is she doing for sure, for sure. You took it to a level where you were eventually you were competing yeah. I guess, in, in, in a level where you were, I guess, playing professionally. And you joined, is it SK Gaming, right? Um, well, SK Gaming, I actually, uh, well, was kind of my first job I ever did in esports, but they, I guess they were already around with Rafa by the time that I played Unreal Tournament. Actually, no, it would have been a bit later, um, or maybe with CS, but no, it wasn't as serious as that. I wish I was playing for <laughs> SK Gaming. We did play on clan base though, with our clan. We played the Euro Cups and the Open Cups. Uh, we went to LANs as well, and you could say it was a semi-professional level because back then it wasn't the way it is now. Like, they weren't... Yeah. Uh, that many pro teams or pro organizations, definitely not in Belgium, but we were a team. We practiced four or five times a week. We played four or five hours every day. We played official wars. We had rankings. We went to tournaments. So in that regard, it was definitely that uh, professional. It, it felt like it to me. I, I really applied myself. E even back then, did you feel like you could see that this was this was going in the direction that it was going to get bigger and bigger and bigger? Or were you just kind of living in the moment and whatever happened, happened? With yeah, that? back then I couldn't see it um, or I didn't. I didn't think about it that way. Let's just put it yeah. that way. It was it was very important to me. It was very important for kind of my development and the people I met online um, because they became my, my real friends. But I never saw it as something that I'd be doing forever. I always had the idea of, okay, well, there's a cutoff point. And it turns out that came naturally because I went to university where uh, I didn't have money to have a second PC um, or like a good PC, an actual PC at all for the first year in my flat or in my um, student room, I should say, like my tiny <laughs> student room. So that kind of went out the window. There was no money for a PlayStation either because, you know, it's expensive enough to go to university. Um, yeah. So I kind of just buried that and focused on other things for a while. Can I can I ask you what you were studying at school? What, what, what were you hoping to be if you didn't get into esports? Um, well, I have a master's in history and a master's in journalism. And uh, I, I kind of started to study history because I didn't know what I wanted to do. But history and kind of using the past as a way to look at the future interested me. And I really loved doing those studies. But by the end of them, I discovered, well, what the hell am I going to do with this? Am I going to be a teacher? I don't really want to. I don't want to like research. So I ended up taking another master's in journalism because I really wanted to be a sports writer because next to gaming, like kind of my main interests were gaming and then watching football, cycling and tennis. 
it was the heyday mm-hmm. of uh, Belgian tennis with Justine Henet and Kim Placers. So um, oh, that's what yeah, I wanted I to do. That. Yeah, yeah. Gosh, yeah. I mean, I mean, Belgium, Belgium's become like a, a, a dominant force now. I mean, particularly in football as well. Like you've got a mm-hmm. serious national team going on. Yeah, it's a tiny you... country, but uh, we're yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And were you, were you studying in Belgium as well? Were you studying um, abroad? No, all in Belgium. Either? So in Ghent and in Brussels for my extra masters. Wow, that's insane. Two, you've got two masters. Yeah, God, you are, <laughs> it's pretty crazy. You are isn't it? smart. It's amazing. It's amazing. Well, I think considering you've done all that and you've had the career that you've had in esports thus far, it's it's just so much, you know, so much experience. It's amazing. I mean, with when you first got that, how did you actually find that opportunity then with with SK Gaming to work with those guys? So you did the journalism career, the yeah. degree, and then what was the entry point? Did you kind of know some of the players or know some of the people who worked at the team? Uh, no, not at all. Actually, what happened is um, after graduating, I fell into that, I think, black hole that a lot of people who come <laughs> out of college fall into the whole like, oh God, well, I did it. I got my diploma. Does this mean... I'm starting my job soon and it's nine to five and this is the rest of my life. And then I die and then it's over. I was, I was totally hit by that. Um, so instead I just started playing a lot of video games and not actually going to any job interviews. Uh, I was also like, well, I want to be a sports writer, but it's also intimidating and they're never going to take me serious and all this and that. So then, um, a friend with whom I used to play unreal tournament, approached me and said, hey, uh, do you want to play this game called League of Legends? It's free to play. Um, we can just play together. And I did that. And then by accident, he said, hey, look, they also have tournaments for this stuff. And I was like, what, tournaments? Like sports? That's crazy. Um, and I watched and I tuned into like an IEM in 2011 or something. And then I thought, well, actually, for me, this is just like sports. This is, you know, this is competition. And mm-hmm. maybe I should try and break into that scene. So I just wrote a bunch of emails to info at skgaming.com to info at ESVI. That was like another coverage website uh, .com. And just was like, hey, uh, do you need anyone to write articles for you? I have a master's in journalism, blah, blah, blah. And they both said yes. And I just started writing editorials and articles about uh, clan changes and player trades and news in general. It just exploded at that point as well, yeah. didn't it? Like esports is really exciting. I mean, League in particular was a game that was um, was incredibly popular. You know, it had a, I guess, was it one of the first kind of games as well that had kind of like a, quite an infrastructure there to actually have a competitive, um, you know, a lot of TOs wanting to put on events around the game as well? Um, I guess you could say globally, because obviously StarCraft had gotten a footing long before and was extremely popular and had a lot of tournaments, especially in uh, Korea, which, of course, they are the godfathers of the esports competitions. Counter-Strike had also been around for a long time. There were tournaments um, and IEMs were around. So there was definitely there was a lot there already. But I think with the way that League just kind of exploded, as you say, and developed so rapidly um i think that put everything in like it all went how do you say that in english it all went a lot faster and it all developed a lot faster and i know a lot of people are reluctant to seemingly give riot too much credit for what they did or say it was bad or whatever but i don't think so because they from 2013 on um were the first um organization or like obviously they were the maker of league of legends to put on a live broadcasted show the lcs eu and the lcs na two times per week in both those regions completely produced shows in studios and that had never been done before at this kind of a level um and also like their finals and staples center and all that and i think they should get a lot of credit for for what they did back then 
Um, mm-hmm. Not saying there was nothing else, right? There were plenty of successful tournaments, but they really like made everything uh, like made everything more shiny and better. And I think propelled the esports forward that at, at that point in time. And look where we are today. Like the, it's just on a different level. You know, you, you could argue that esports productions today absolutely, you know, can uh, you know, out, outdo some traditional mainstream broadcast absolutely. sports you know absolutely absolutely you know, we you know we've we've worked together on many productions and there's the you know there's you know, there's uh, you know big screens audiences there's i mean setting all the kind of the the, the lan element up as well with different players can be there's there's so much technical stuff that goes on was there a particular highlight a particular moment when you when you suddenly thought wow this is this is what I'm going to be doing now. This is what I want to focus on. Was there kind of like a big moment you were kind of in front of a live audience or you did something like a piece of camera or something that was, that was big enough for you to go, this is where I want to be? Um, well, a, very, a couple of months into writing, uh, I had built up quite a pedigree within SK Gaming. I became the editor-in-chief for kind of everyone that was writing articles about any game that were featured on the website. And one of the, the guys who worked at SK said, hey, uh, would you like to maybe tape some interviews with, uh, you know, a camera we're going to give you in a tournament that's now taking place in Korea, being back then the OGN Champions, which was like a very prestigious league tournament, which was mainly Korean, South Korean, but they had invited international teams, CLG EU and CLG NA to compete in there. And I said, holy moly, what? <laughs> so they sent me to Korea. I didn't have a passport. I had to get a passport in like two days. Um, I went over there. I shot a bunch of interviews. I bought, I shot house tours back then with the Korean teams, which had never been done before. Um, And that was when I realized, holy moly, like seeing kind of the godfathers of esports in in Korea and, and the arenas and the fans and how big that was and then how big it was getting also in the West. Uh, I thought I have to be part of this. Yeah. I'm so envious you went to Korea. I'd love to go. It yes. looks amazing. Korea is the best. Uh, Seoul is really, really lovely. Uh, wonderful food. Uh, very fashionable and, and friendly people. Uh, of course, I have a romanticized view because I've only visited. Um, but I, yeah. I really like I really like Seoul. Is there anywhere still on the hit list for you that you want to say, well, I want to do an event there one day. That's going to be, that's definitely a bit of me. I want to do that one day too. Um, I just crossed off Tokyo um, off my bucket list and I oh. really wanted to go to Tokyo. So I went last year. So I'm super happy about that. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I, I just want to keep exploring. I've been lucky enough to see a lot. And I think the things that were high on my bucket list were Seoul, were Tokyo, um, like Beijing, uh, New York, all those things. And I, I've been lucky enough to have crossed them all off. So, um, yeah. but I'm missing the traveling right now. I've yeah, never, I've not been not on an airplane for so long. Yeah, it's, 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 it is weird. It is weird. I mean, I, I think back to last year when we, we worked on the Blast Pro series together. Yeah. And um, we went we went to Sao Paulo in Brazil. Yes. And that was crazy. Like I wasn't I, would, I wasn't expecting to ever go. Brazil was not on my 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 wish list, mm-hmm. but it was it was a very cool place to go. Very, very unique place. I'm like, I'm really pleased that we went there. I'm so but, happy um, we went there indeed. Yeah. Uh, we went a bit before on um, with Riot. I was there for five weeks. We went to, I think. What was it? Was it this way or the other way around? It was like Sao Paulo two weeks and Rio two weeks and a half or two weeks and a half or something like that. And uh, yeah. it was really wonderful because we got to be with 
locals and you have to be in brazil uh, if you don't speak the language and you don't know where to go don't do that just go with locals and they showed us all yeah. these great food places and and samba places and it was a trip to to remember forever i mean league of legends has become where well, is the something which has really kind of defined your esports career in the sense that you've grown yeah. with with uh you know with uh the game you've grown you've, you've worked with riots you know tell us about the experience working with um the game so closely and with riots and what that's been like and how it's kind of grown over time um, yeah, it's definitely evolved a lot, I would say. In the beginning, um, what is important to understand, and I think you're in the same boat, I actually don't know if you have any uh, like official broadcast training, do you? Uh, if you count a nine-hour presenting course, then yes, I do. <laughs> otherwise, <laughs> otherwise, nah, just winging it, just yeah. winging it. Well, yeah, that's, yeah. that's uh, more than us. And the thing is, when Riot started doing these broadcasts in 2013, they had, of course, me and D-Man, Joe Miller in Europe, who... Um, they all had extensive experience, but it was all self-taught. And I think that was what made all of the broadcasts so charming, but also difficult for the people that had made a lot of these broadcasts before, because there are people who used to work on like the Olympics at NBC and whatnot, all at Riot, um, working on these broadcasts. And I remember stepping into the studio the first time and Ariel Horn, who is now kind of uh, grown out to be a mentor of mine he said well have you ever read off a teleprompter and i was like a what now and <laughs> i read off it and he just i saw his face just going pale and going like oh my god well um we're going to have to do this uh, we'll do it live you know like they say in the movies and yeah. we did it and at that point i think yeah we were just trying to kind of do our own thing and and learn as we go and i think especially for europe that was really good because the last thing you want in my opinion is to have an esports broadcast that is completely cookie cutter copied of any mainstream sports broadcast because that's not what esports is and there are a lot of elements i think that you can take from sports and the other way around than sports broadcasts but the genuine nature of esports is very important and i think in those initial years, we were probably overwhelmed by how big everything was. And we tried to keep our own spirit, but we were also regulated from the side of Riot, of course, as to kind of a certain style they wanted to broadcast. Um, but over the years, I think everyone has found their own voice a lot more and their own style. And I think specifically here in Europe with the LEC, it's just, it's us, you know, and it may be silly yeah. and it may be this or that, but it is us and it is a professional show but still encapsulating the spirit that is also esports and gaming and the thing that brings us all together. Absolutely. Well, so I think, I think the, I think that you find, I mean, once again, I'm comparing it to traditional mainstream sports like football and things. You've got a lot of punditry and commentary and, and, you know, um, you know, I guess desk hosts and whatnot. And it's all very quick. It's quite generic. There, there isn't much personality there. It's kind of like, you know, your standard kind of, you know, here's, here's the news, here's what's happening. A few questions, let's throw to the break. But I think you're right. I think when it comes to esports, you, you watch a production and you see, for instance, you see shocks is, 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 you know, hosting the desk and you think, Oh, amazing. I know exactly what I'm going to get here. I her personality. She brings a lot of, you know, fun. It's going to be energetic. It's going to be, you know, great, you know, a, a, a huge amount of, um, you know, um, reference points and experience. So you, you kind of, I guess it's with everyone that's kind of on the panel. I think that's where esports differentiates itself. Is it's, it is a lot more. There are so many people with so many personalities that you can be a little bit looser. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I myself have fought a lot against, I get the comment often that I am unprofessional, which I I don't think, <laughs> I don't think people know what that word means <laughs> because yeah. uh, they use it to kind of uh, point at my style of hosting, which is a bit more in the, I would say European pundit, as you say, sports tradition way of things, which is I am really well prepared and I know exactly where we're going. I know exactly what segment is next. I know exactly what I'm supposed to do, but 
I just like to let the the natural flow of conversation sometimes take over, you know, throw some jokes in there, like have a little bit of a discussion that is off script and this and that. And yeah, I, I am very, very professional and I'm very, very dedicated to my job. It's just that stylistically, I want to preserve a lot of my own character and my colleagues and kind of, you know, um, preserve some of that off the cuff, off the cuff t- content rather. So. Oh, totally. Totally. That, but that's, that's how, you know, that's how you become engaging to an audience. Yeah. I think that's the, yeah, that's, that's how you kind of, you know, inspire and people can kind of, you know, get to know the real you as opposed to just the kind of like a facade of just professionalism. You want to be, I know, I know what they mean with the unprofessional thing. Yeah. I know yeah. exactly what you mean. Exactly. Um, Cause you know, being unprofessional, be turning up, you know, having not combed your hung hair over you know? and like <laughs> yeah, in sweats and not prepared yeah exactly yeah ex- exactly i know what you mean i know what you mean when you left um to go freelance was that quite a big decision for you leaving riot in that respect yeah absolutely i mean um every time you kind of leave the warm winter coat warmness of working for a corporation <laughs> or a company yeah. uh, where like all your bills are paid you get your paycheck at the end of the month no matter what um you get like all your benefits and stuff. It's definitely a big yeah. step. And I thought about it for a long time. I think maybe up to two and a half to three years. And I always wow. played with the idea uh, because, well, there are a couple of things that came into play being first off, after kind of seven years of working the Riot schedule and working um, like full-time for Riot for four years, the the year is just very, very full and you don't have a lot of time for yourself because the Riot calendar goes from the 12th of January basically until the 18th of December and there are almost no breaks in between. And when there are, they want you in the office to kind of prep different things. Obviously you're a full-time employee, so that's normal, but um, we had shows every weekend. So I was not able to have any personal life in the weekend whatsoever, because if I flew home, it would always be in the week when everyone had to work or when I wanted to spend time with people in Cologne or Berlin respectively, well, they were working as well in the week and I was working in the weekend. So that was kind of a mess. So for seven years, I missed Every important birthday, every wedding, every family event, every friend event, oh, wow. every yeah, everything. Yeah. And I was traveling so, so much as well. And the thing is, people often say, well, that's a dream job. Why would why would that be why would that be bad? But I think people have to realize that things can be a dream job, but can still be challenging and difficult. So I made the yeah. decision for myself that I wanted to kind of control my own agenda a bit more and wanted to take some weekends off and spend more time with my family at home, fly home to Belgium a bit more. Um, also, I just wanted to do different things because I watched League of Legends exclusively for seven years, like almost 25 hours a day. And I just wanted to do different things and try different scenes because I also felt that um, the Riot shows are so well produced and so perfect that I felt that I wasn't evolving anymore as a broadcaster and as a content creator. And I just wanted to do different shows, different things, traditional media, other esports, everything to kind of keep me on my toes. With the Blast Pro series, I mentioned, yeah. you, know, you, you transitioned into Counter-Strike, which is uh, you know, a, brand, a whole new game for you. But I mean, you must, you must have relished the opportunity, as you said, you know, seven years of the same game. Suddenly you get to do something a bit different. Yeah. Um, how much have you enjoyed you know, working on CS? Oh, a lot. I was so, so scared before I did my first event. I was so scared because I think especially in esports, people are are very like they scrutinize people who come from other esports a lot because they they are kind of suspicious and why do they want the fame or the clout of this game or what what this and that. So um, I was really afraid at how I would be received. But luckily, in the end, kind of obviously, I, and this is imposter syndrome to a T, kind of this whole 
I'm bad at my job. I can't do anything. But turns <laughs> out I, I do have a good level of hosting kind of anything um, and a good base understanding of, of how to run a desk. And I just applied myself. I studied really hard. I talked to a lot of experts in CS, watched tons of footage, read tons of articles on HLTV about the teams and just researched. And that's the key to doing well. But I was still so scared in Sao Paulo, but it was a resounding success, which I'm now super happy for. And it's not something I ever thought I would be able to pull off five years ago. So yay oh, for personal dude, growth. Dude, you smashed it, man. It was, it was, it was amazing. It, it was as if you'd done it a ton of times before you would never have even known that you hadn't you know you hadn't hosted a cs event of some sort oh, it, was, it was it was seamless but it must it must come at that level of um you know kind of if you're so used to the way that the riot model is and yeah. how you know as you say how perfect things are and you know exactly when the cues are coming from and who's in your ear and, and suddenly you're in this whole new environment and naturally you'll go where's that thing and what about that thing and you kind of because things are a bit different but i guess that is it's all part of the, the training process isn't it? it's all part of like learning well how to how to work in different environments do you remember that show that was such a cluster f that <laughs> do you remember it was like nothing was ready and I mean, I was so scared because it was my first Counter-Strike event. And then I was like, oh, is there a rehearsal? Uh, yeah. And then, no, there's no rehearsal. And then we had done no test whatsoever. And we just <laughs> started. And then we had to fill for 30 minutes. It was oh, a baptism yeah. by fire in the oh. purest of forms. Well, I, I remember getting there and they said to me, um, so Adam, we're going to, because it was the first, it was the first uh, show of the new kind of yeah. season last last year. They were like, right, we're going to open up with you, um, you uh, joined by 50 samba dancers. <laughs> Who, and I was like, what? right, okay, yeah, yeah. Do you, do, you, do, you, do you remember seeing this? Did you see this? Yeah, I and saw I was, this, I was, it was lovely. Like, it was, it was great, but it was, suddenly they all came into play and it was like, it was like a giant kind of carnival and it was, it was awesome. But we literally had 10 minutes to rehearse it. And I thought, okay, this is going out live to the world and there's people with feather boas and sticks and I'm worried, but it was fine. We, we, we got there in the end, but it was, um, you're right. You kind of, I guess you kind of learn, you learn to work ad hoc and just like, you know, whatever happens happens and you kind of roll with it. And I think when you get to a level where you've kind of worked on, on shows enough, you have that, you have that experience to be able to style things out. If things go completely wrong, like 30 minutes of filler, to anybody watching at home, they're probably thinking, oh, they've done, their, they've done this really well. But you're thinking, oh my God, what's next? What's next? And you're kind of always thinking about the next thing along the line of like the production. Um, so I'm um, yeah, I'm 100% with you. It's, I think it's, it's great. It's, it's a great skill to learn. But, you know, C CS is, is a thing that you're obviously doing brilliantly within. And, and now we have a new Riot Venture in the form of Valorant. Mm -hmm. um, what have you made of it so far? I am addicted. I am just absolutely, I'm sold. Um, and I get a lot of, well, you're right, chill. But I mean, people <laughs> have to remember that I am an OG FPS player with Unreal Tournament. Yeah. I put a lot of stock into um, FPSs. They even had a tactical. They had, what was it called? Was it called Tactical Ops? Um, okay. Th so they had a, a tactical, they made a tactical version uh, of the game. Uh, in any case um but i've never been much of a tactical shooter player like cs i have always been just capture flag instagip run at him shoot him capture flag and that's it so um it, it I, i've tried a lot of fps's over the years i think um, i tried my hand obviously at a lot of cs when i was trying to host but i never really got into it as much and i was also really bad at it i played a lot of fortnite when it came out but eh it wasn't really my yeah, jam. Yeah, I played yeah. a lot of Overwatch when it came out. I actually really enjoyed playing Overwatch oh, as me well. me too. Me too. But yeah, yeah. It's a great game. After a while, I don't know. After, I think I played it hardcore for six months and then I kind of got bored of it. Same with Fortnite. And then Apex came out. And Apex is actually one of my favorite 
battle royale games. I think it is incredibly well made. Um, it is, it's just really great. The guns are really smooth, um, and I really enjoyed playing it. But battle royale is also not my cup of tea. So I've just been mm. waiting for something else. And then they came out with Valorant, and I just really fell in love with it. The mix of it being a tactical shooter, but also an ability-based game, I thought made it really, really interesting. Um, the abilities are, to me, not overwhelming, but yeah. I can understand how, if you're coming from CS, it's probably like, Jesus, like, why is there a wall made of ice here when I could just be rushing the site? I get that, <laughs> but I people have to understand that it's just a different type of game. Yeah. And I've really enjoyed playing it. I love the characters. I Yeah, I'm into it. I'm into it. I've I've caught your streams, man. Yeah. Like, you're, you're you're kicking ass. Thank like, I'm you. Watching, you're doing very well. I mean, the thing is, it's expected though. You know, you're you're a, you're a, a pro, really. Well, I'm but not anywhere where I need to be, though. But I appreciate it. But you're getting there. You're getting. You're I'm ranked good. now, so you're getting there. I'm getting there. I think there. I, yeah, yeah, I think the um I think you're right. I think you're absolutely spot on with the whole kind of overwhelming nature of the abilities. I think everyone when it first was announced and we saw kind of the first kind of um images or or, or gameplay, people were like, oh, it's you know, it's a crossover between CS and Overwatch. But in reality, it's it's far more CS than yeah. it is it is Overwatch. I think the, I think you're right. The abilities aren't too overwhelming, and I think that what what it does do, I think the abilities do just add such an they add a whole another layer tactically to a game that you can't. It's not just based on you know uh, you know precision precision aim shooting and kind of you know storming sites as you said and and playing you know playing the bomb sites. It's actually a lot more about like you can utilize these this weaponry and you kind of the way that your kind of team line up with what you have ability wise, what you buy the buy yeah. and stuff you know the economy side of things. It, it completely changes the dynamic. So, you know, I think it kind of adds a layer that anybody, in theory, any team could enter into a tournament and could do very, very well, mm -hmm. have a really good day, and other times not, you know, all depending on who their opponents are and how they kind of line up, really. But yeah, um, exactly. what's your thoughts on players at the moment kind of asking for 20 grand to join kind of you know saying hey i'll join you i want to start a team and be paid twenty thousand dollars <laughs> even when there's no structure i mean is this crazy or what i think in general if you're i don't know you got to be a damn good player with a damn good brand if you're gonna be just like i want twenty thousand <laughs> i don't know a month to play this game or, or whatnot or to join your team um yeah it is weird but i don't know i, I kind of understand it because we've seen in the last couple of years that esports has become really it went from being this obscure thing that nobody wanted to talk about to this thing that a lot of people want to be part of. And that's not just players. That's also commentators and hosts and behind the scenes, like esports is hot, hip and happening and everyone wants to be part of it. And um, I think in that regard, there is a certain aspect of you need to be there with the new trends. You know, you need to be there when, you know, because what if the next Fortnite comes out and you missed a boat? You know, we, we saw mm -hmm. what an extreme influence people, the early adapters of Fortnite and the early streamers have had, and they've made their entire career off this game in like yeah. literally a couple of months. So I do think Crazy. it's healthy to have your eye on the trends in the new games, but um, that can be as a streamer or a content creator or, or a caster even. But yeah, and a player is a bit more tricky. I do get that teams would maybe start to sign players because there are a bit of tournaments, but yeah, it's a bit crazy that they would ask for such big numbers uh, to, to be on a team. And hopefully if the scene does develop, they will get picked up and they will get paid what what they earn or like what they yeah. deserve if they play well enough. For you, though, this is this is this is an opportunity to win in the sense that it obviously combines your relationship with Riot and, and you, know, you know, with League and everything you've learned within the infrastructure of that company. Obviously, CS is a game that you moved to and the kind of the two things are, you know, together in the same 
digital sandwich. So this is perfect <laughs> for you. This is a game. Can you can you see yourself getting a lot more invested in the game from a from a talent perspective as well? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, there there's many talented hosts out there, uh, yourself included, who I think thank could, you, shocks. Who I think could... that's a testimonial. Now I'm going to write that down <laughs> and put it on my website. So I mean, you. you guys can show up <laughs> everywhere and just host. Literally, I don't know, someone painting a picture of a boring landscape, and you'd host like the crap out of it. You know what I mean? But um, yeah, I, yeah. I consider myself someone who I can really only host the things that I myself super invested in. I mean, everything has a price out of, let's be honest, but uh, let's be honest. Everything's about price. Yeah. yeah. Uh, preferably uh, <laughs> the things that I am super enthralled with myself and the thing like uh, till now that's been League of Legends, Counter-Strike and now Valorant. So a game that I enjoy playing, enjoy watching, enjoy learning more about. So if the opportunity arises, I'd love to do it. I did some casting last week. And holy moly, that is difficult, especially for an FPS game, especially for an FPS game with abilities. I was lost, but I'm oh. going to apply myself and we'll see what happens. Yeah, casting is the one thing I'm, I'm a little bit dubious about getting into because I'm thinking I there is a lot of things going on here and this is not my remit, but I need to learn how to do it. Because obviously, you know, being freelance like yourself, opportunities, you know, you've got to have every string on your bow going. To kind of you know make yeah make ends meet and stuff and kind of you know succeed but um i gotta ask you who, who do you main in Valorant right now who's your main uh my main in competitive is sage uh and okay. i went a bit back and forth because it's always the whole oh it's a girl who plays a supportive character and <laughs> i was just like well who the hell cares i mean if you, i mean yeah. what, it, what i just should just play what i want to play and i think she's like hidden op i think a lot of people put her in the s tier deservedly so because um I'm the kind of person who you're supposed to run around and heal people, but I'm the person who lurks and who pushes when she's not supposed to and tries to catch people on the rotation and uses the self-heal to her advantage. Um, so the kid is just so broken. I mean, a heal, a self-heal and a team heal, a resurrect twice a half, um, you know, the wall to, to kind of wall off an entire site to plant or after planting or whatnot or to protect the slow She's absolutely broken. I also really love Ray's to just go ham. I love Omen because of his mobility and he's just such an edgy, such an edgy oh, lord. Man, yeah. Um, I, I, I love seeing I love seeing videos of Omen and people using the transport to kind of um, you know go around the map and on rooftops and stuff and just exactly. snipe and like, yeah the, these little things you can, it, it was it was really fun to watch you know exactly. I think um, I like Viper as well the fact that Viper's she can you know, use kind of poison kind of like clouds and that can, you know very similar to Apex and. Um, What's his face? I can't remember. Caustic, you know, in Apex. Yeah. Kind of using caustic. poison, kind of, you know, kind of poison areas. Less ladylike than the beautiful Viper, but Caustic exa- is also exa- great. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Um, but it's a great game. I've no, I have no doubt it's going to continue to kind of grow, a, a, you know, this competitive scene, but hopefully it won't go the same direction as I think Fortnite has done in the sense that Fortnite's become epic of very much protected their baby and not really let other, you know, other TOs create, you know, a competitive structure around the game um and well, therefore there's not really been many events well i mean riot has done the same obviously right right um after i think it was 2013 until 2015 i think at the latest or maybe a bit later they had like esl running tournaments and all this and that and at a certain time they said well we just want a certain standard of production to be exactly in line with what we want so we're just going to do it ourselves which i think is their prerogative as well but mm-hmm. a lot of people were sad about that but I can understand it from one angle, but then not from another angle, which is the fan who just wants to see more tournaments by everyone, right? And um, for Fortnite as well, I I can understand it because I think this all has to do with the fact that you're now in a situation where esports isn't just, isn't small anymore. It's a multi-million dollar business, which is, you know, has more, the game industry gets in more profit or, or more money than the movie industry at this point in time. So you can't always 
you know, you have to be protectful of what you do. Now, Riot has come out and said that for Valorant, they're going to not interfere. For now, they're just going to let um, third-party organizers organize things. And it got a mixed response, which is, again, I think it's, again, this, like, you're damned if you do if and you're damned if you don't. Because half of the responses were, well, oh, typical Riot, they don't want to invest anything into the esports scene when, <laughs> hello, um, that's what you... Like, that's what they did with League, and you guys were mad that they buttoned everything up for themselves. And the other response was like, um, oh, yeah, uh, I don't know. It was it was just wasn't good either way, when yeah, I think yeah. a lot of people did want the free circuit. And I think that's a good thing, because now you see it. There's a lot of organizations just making these cool tournaments and with profits going to COVID-19 research and all that, which is really, really dope. Oh, it's been awesome. Yeah. Oh, there's been so much money raised. I mean, I guess, I guess gaming personalities, influencers, players... Have raised, you know, organizations have raised so much money for charity, yep. which has been spectacular to see. Really, can we talk a little bit about your your um, about your life in the spotlight as well in the industry? Because obviously, you have an, an enormous fan base, you know, absolutely enormous. You know, but it, it must be, you know, when you do things like you change from, for instance, from from League over to Counter Strike, or you know, every day, day to day, being a being a being a female in the industry as well, is it difficult um, constantly up, you know, doing you know a updating you know everything all the time you know be the instagrams and the twitters and the kind of on the youtubes and twitch and everything and is there also being a female in the industry is it quite is it it's predominantly male is there quite a lot of pressure that comes with that as well and things that you know that you you feel you wouldn't you wouldn't experience if you were a male in the industry oh uh, yeah for sure i mean um there's always that i think the biggest one always and it's still very prevalent is the whole well, you're only there because you're a woman or you're only there because you're a girl. And it's just very, very disheartening um, because it's it's not. And it's really, it's a difficult one to talk about because I think if I think back to when I got originally hired to host Riot's uh, LCS in 2013, there was definitely a factor there that was, hey, they also want a woman on broadcast or they also want a girl on broadcast. So to say that it hasn't been a factor is also lying, but I've had to prove myself a million times over compared to my male colleagues to get kind of the same respect in the eyes of the viewers for sure. And it still happens. And it's almost like you can't, you can't be a girly girl who's interested in, in makeup and dresses and also like gaming. I mean, just as with all, all the other gamers, the women are just very diversified and all have different characters and different styles and different everything, but they're all there for the right reason. And that it definitely gets tiring of fighting against that prejudice over and over and over for sure. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah, you must be subject. You know, you you would have a thick skin as well, because I guess there's a lot of trolling that happens as well, because you are one. Of, you know, arguably the most successful female in the esports industry. There must, you know, there must become a lot of trolling with that as well, and a lot of back, you know, backlash online in general. Yeah, yeah, and trolling. It's like I'm in at this now, like ten years into this career and dealing with this stuff. I, I feel that we too easily say, "Oh, it's just a troll." Ignore them, because I don't want that to become a kind of free-for-all card for, oh yeah, you're allowed to be racist, you're allowed to be sexist, you're allowed to harass me because you're just like a troll, so we're not going to say anything. I think that is that is just uncalled for. I don't care if you're a troll, if you're doing it on purpose, if you're doing it for whatever reason, don't be a bad person, don't harass people, don't um, be racist, don't be sexist, just don't. And I think we should talk about it a bit more because it's too easy that we always go, oh, well, just ignore it. No, because if we just ignore it, then young women who are starting to play and experience this behavior and see that nobody is talking about it and everyone's just saying, oh, just mute them in game. They think that, 
you know, that, that, that it's normal and that they should just accept that this happens to them. And the same, I think, young people who grow up and play online, if they hear their friends using language or, or this and that, or people they, they look up to like a streamer being racist or whatnot. And if nobody says anything about it, then they're going to think that that's okay. So I do think we have kind of a social obligation to, to talk about it and stand up for it and start the discussion and hopefully make a change for the better. And I'm not naive. We're not going to, we're not going to change it all immediately, but yeah, we need to talk about it. No, you, you make a great point. I think you're right. I think you can't just let it just slide and go, oh, you know, it just, it just happens. It, you know, and I love the fact that yourself included, there are a lot of people now who actively will call people out. And so you can't say things like this. This isn't acceptable. It's not the way that things are done. You know, we're, we're trying to do something, you know, we're trying to do something, be a, be a, we're all above this now. We don't need yeah. to be doing this online, but people still, there are still people out there who just don't have anything better to do and, and try and get a rise out of people. And, you know, I think I was, you know, one of our, you know, friends, Golden Boy recently put some stuff up where he was just playing a game. I saw him put like um, a kind of like a little clip out where someone came on and just started being overtly racist in, a, in a, an open <laughs> chat, you know, kind of in a, in a, in a, in a public match. Yeah. And he was just like, you can see the shock on his face. He's thinking, are you, what is wrong with people? Yeah. How are people, how are people not kind of, you know, savvy enough now to realize that you you cannot do this and there are there are repercussions there are consequences i'm i'm irate about it as well I, you know i can imagine that you know that being how long you've been in the industry for and you know kind of all the different things you're a part of in terms of like competitions and prevalence on social media the amount that you're bombarded with sometimes so um yeah i think it's great i think you should actually call people out the trolls need to get get the hell out of town yeah they need to I'm get saying. told absolutely I mean, you've you've been open as well about the additional stress that you could have you, from the community sometimes as well. Um, do you? I mean, you're quite you have quite a good conversation with communities around games as well, don't you? I think you like. You, I often see you're very much you like to in, you know kind of engage with them and kind of they have concerns about the game and such or things. You always kind of tend to listen and and and, and respond. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's important, but I don't feel up to it every single day, uh, especially with how digital our lives are. Sometimes I just. Uh, I don't feel like taking a stand on Twitter and dealing with all the negative reactions and like going into discussions with some people who you like, who you can't change the mind of anyway. Sometimes I just don't feel like it. And then some days <laughs> I just go in, you know? Yeah. Well, well I, I think it was, I think it was, I think it was earlier on today. I, I saw that you suddenly went, guys, I, you know, I'm just going to read some Stephen Hawking to you. I'm just going to read a book. I'm not going to talk about anything else. Uh, did you? That was earlier today, right? You did uh, like that was a, yesterday. That was yesterday. Yeah. That's just it. Because you you started reading a lot more now because of isolation. I guess it's a, it's a it's a it's a good thing that's come out of this. You you've, you've been a lot more into books. Yeah. I've um, well, I always kind of been into books, but I think right now in our digital world, we have so much, like so many awesome movies, so many TV shows. I know. Um, like it's it's crazy. There's so much out there, but <laughs> kind of the joy of just turning off. And, and I was talking to someone about this yesterday and they said, well, the good thing about a book is that there's not a notification that can pop up that can take your attention. You can't get a, a message from, from like your mom or, or someone at work that needs you. You just, it's just you and your book, right? Or you and your yeah. Kindle. And that's true. And I think that's what's attracted me to reading more in this time to just completely, it's just me and my book and nobody's going to disturb me. And I thought, well, at the end of my stream, when we're just chilling out anyway, why don't I just read a bit to people? So I read a bit of Stephen Hawking's brief answers to the big questions to them, um, which is copyright protected, I discovered, obviously. So um, <laughs> I didn't read yeah, of more course. of that. Yeah, yeah. So today yeah. I started reading uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula, which is in the public domain oh, because it's more than 70 classic. years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, we got yeah. through that one. And of course, the, the viewers dwindle because there's a lot of them that just say, well, what the hell? I'm here to see you play games. But there's many that just kind of chill. No, I mean, I mean, I mean, I've got to ask as well. You, you brought it up. What, what does 
Ifia Deportra, what, what what do you watch on TV? What is your what are your favorite TV shows right now? What movies are you watching? Tell us. What, what have you been captivated by Tiger King? What, uh, yeah, happened? I've definitely watched Tiger King for sure. I've okay. also watched all I've watched all the quote unquote trashy Netflix. Like I watched Too Hot to Handle. I watched Oh my um, god, yes. Love is Blind. Yeah. I I watch it all. Um I'm the kind of person it's, you know, a lot of people are so black and white and whenever you watch a reality show, they're just like completely write you off and think you're an uncultured swine or whatnot. But People just like different things. And I like watching a trashy TV show after I've watched a very heavy TV show so I can kind of switch off. I need to have the best of both worlds. Um, I've been catching up on Westworld. Now, second Mm -hmm. season, I'm going to be watching a third season. Really wonderful show. Um, I've recently watched a wonderful show called The Leftovers, which is really great. And I really hadn't heard about because it's from, uh, is it Damon or David Lindelof who wrote Lost, which obviously had a bit of a bad rep. But Leftovers is... It's perfect. It's a wonderful, wonderful TV show. Shocks. So I've been watching I, that I'm, as well. I'm going to come clean with you right now when I say this. Um, I think this is controversial, but I think Lost is my favorite TV show of all time. Hey, there um, you go. Dude, people, people write it off. They always nah. like, oh, that's crap. It's like there was time travel and, and, and underground bunkers and stuff. Like it, it was amazing. And, it was great. Polar bears and the smoke. It was it was great. It was a great series. It was a it was great for its time, and I think it also shows in retrospect how it was like a vision that Lindelof had, which needed some work at places, right? Let's be honest. I also love yeah, it, but it in the further seasons, you sometimes thought, "Ooh, maybe, ha, ooh, yeah, that could have been done differently." And uh, I, I like if you want to watch something similar, that's also going to be an absolute mind bender for you the leftovers is really really great and will tug on your heartstrings and it's, it's okay, really am, interesting yeah well you 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 know that you're always welcome in our house because with Faye here as well too hot to handle <laughs> love is blind we've smashed through all of that stuff yes. so you're, you're always welcome here you're always welcome here love it before i, I let you go because i know that we've we've chatted about everything but one thing i want to get a, you know get from you as well is an idea of your top five games of all time okay oh. now this is a thing we, we we like to ask um all of our guests that come on the show, what the top five games that defined your your personal history with gaming, you know, whether it was like the first games you played or just ones that kind of have like memories attached to them. What are those top five games? No need for an order, just what do you think they are? Uh, okay, so going off our conversation, obviously Tomb Raider 3, uh, one yeah, of the first yeah. ones I ever played. Unreal Tournament 1999, Game of the Year edition. <laughs> uh, go at it. Uh, League of Legends, obviously. Obviously. Can't be any different. I don't, uh, I don't think you can leave that one out. I think it has to be in there. Imagine yeah. if I left that one out. What then? <laughs> It'd be crazy. The um, world would officially crumble. crumble. Uh, there's also a couple of games that, that I played as a kid, which I don't actually know what they are called. Um, so I want to make a category okay. for, for some of those. Um, now a weird one, Flight Simulator. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. Okay, okay. Because it okay. came in one of those PlayStation, um, I think it was a demo. And uh, yeah, yeah, I yeah. was just completely enthralled by what? I am in an airplane and I'm like, and it was super buggy. I don't know if you remember. It was extremely buggy. But it yeah. was one of the first ones that also opened me up to kind of what it kind of was like a uh, a vision of the future of oh my god games are going to be like this we're going to be able to do whatever the hell we want and that's so dope and then i think my fifth favorite game is like i don't know i think it's not been made yet hopefully um okay. last of us is definitely up there uh mm. some of the far cry series is definitely up there but yeah um I'm keeping the door open maybe i'll say yeah. the last of us because that's that's a beautiful game you brought up the the, the thing with um uh your top five there and it made me think about uh, an experience that i had like flight simulator I, I played a game today 
actually today, and it was called Deliver Us the Moon. Have you heard of this game? No. It's called Deliver Us the Moon. And it, I thought, okay, because I've started this little series on my YouTube channel where I kind of play like, I do like a 30 minute review, the first 30 minutes of a game, and I'll just jump in and I'll just start, um, uh, you know, kind of review it after 30 minutes of gameplay to see whether or not it's worth playing or not. And this game popped up and it's just brand new. And it's, it's a game where you kind of play like a, an astronaut and obviously the earth's gone to pot. You need to launch up into the moon to kind of regenerate some kind of energy for the earth to start again. But you, you actually, you actually go into a rocket and blast them into space. And I gotta say, it's one of the coolest experiences I've had in a game for ages. Like actually fully being an astronaut, clicking all the buttons, being in the cockpit, lifting off into space. It was amazing. Like <laughs> things like that, like the simulation of just going into space, man, blew me away. I don't know why that came to my mind. It was just something that happened today, and I thought, that is very on the button. See, it's very and on the nose. that's how cool games are. You can just, yeah. I mean, my friends are always playing these obscure games. There's one called The Mountain, where you like build a mountain and then you stare at the mountain, and it's like <laughs> everything is possible. Well, that's that sounds riveting. I'm 100% going to get that. If yeah, it's been such an absolute pleasure having you on the show. It's been really lovely. Um, you're absolutely smashing life, um, and <laughs> hopefully, we get a chance to work together again soon. Yeah, absolutely. Let's hope this madness is soon over and we can uh, see each other again and work together. Thank you so much for having me. Our pleasure. Stay safe out there and we'll see you soon. Will do. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the show. Don't forget to subscribe to the series so you're notified when the Savage Situation is back with a new episode. And if you enjoyed it, then rate it. I'm also on Twitter at Adam Savage. Drop me a follow and be sure to share how much you enjoyed this podcast with the people around you. Until next time, it's goodbye from me. A massive thanks to you guys for listening to this episode of the Savage Situation Podcast. It's been so much fun. Uh, do as well. Make sure to check out the YouTube videos. Mentioned this at the beginning. We have all these videos of the, the episodes on YouTube. We also have as well highlight clips. So make sure to check it all out. Savage Situation Podcast. You can find us on Twitter, on Instagram. You know, we want to grow this community as big as we can. And you guys have been so supportive so far and it's going to get bigger, better, faster, stronger. Thanks so much for listening. Take care and we'll see you next week. That's right, on the next one. Take care for now. Thank you and bye-bye. 